mornings, we could get together um, to have a time of prayer focused on what's going on on Sunday. So focused on the young people in Thrive, focused on the young people in Rooted, and focused on our Sunday services. So every Sunday morning, um, we'll be starting in the meeting room, which many of us know as the restroom, at about 20 past 10, to pray for half an hour, focused on what's going on on Sunday. Um, the, the idea would be that we'll probably have time afterwards to grab a coffee before the services start. Prayer's something we can all do, um, which is great, and it's a special privilege to be able to pray together. It's really encouraging to pray with other people. So it would be great if you can come when you can. Um, some of you might be able to commit to being there once, twice a, twice a month. Um, I know that others of you are really busy. You've got many commitments. So please, do come when you can. If you'd like any more details, do let me know afterwards and I'll try and give them to you. So it'd be great. Start next, next Sunday, 20 past 10. And to be able to pray to our God in a focused way, knowing that he has answered prayers and he's able to do more than we ask or even think. Thanks. Thank you. Well, we move from the theme of prayer to a theme of praise as we have our first two songs. We're starting off with two songs this evening, so do, this morning, so do... um, do, do stand as the music starts for the first one and then stay standing to go into the second one and uh, hopefully we can enter into the sense of praise which uh, fills these uh, two good songs that we're going to sing.
Well, we're going to have our Bible reading now and then after the Bible reading will be the children's talk. Uh, for our Bible reading, we're term- turning to Psalm 90 uh, this morning. Psalm 90 is page 496 if you're following in the church Bibles, but it'll also be displayed uh, behind me. And this is a, it's a great psalm to be looking at at the turn of the year and it's the one that Mark's going to be speaking from later on in the service. So Psalm 90, which is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers for we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty, Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favour of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Well, we look forward to understanding more of that psalm later on in the service. But uh, it is the children's talk now, so do feel free to come forward, children, and John is going to be taking the children's talk. Right, hello everybody, good morning, and I hope you've all had a good Christmas, and now we're in that funny stage, aren't we, where we're not quite sure what it is, but today is the last day of the year, 
So the whole year has just, just gone and disappeared. And um, we're looking forward to a new year, 2024. Now, this is a year planner. And perhaps you've seen one of these before. We've got the months down here and the days of the week. And perhaps you're starting to learn about months and days at school. Um, so probably you don't have one of these, but I expect your mum does, or your dad. And uh, perhaps it's on their phone, probably. Um, now, I wonder if you can find your birthday, because that's a big thing. All the blue dots are your birthday. So, can you see where your birthday might be on there? Yeah? So, we're going to write a few things on here and um, make some plans for next year. So, I guess we ought to have a party, haven't we? Yeah? That's a big deal, isn't it? Party for... So, let's have a... I won't write on all of these, but yeah, we need a party thereabouts for our birthday. Uh, what else? Back to school. Should we put that on there or not, really? No, let's keep that off then. Okay. <laughs> let's keep that off. Um, but we've got, well, look, we can already look forward to half term. I don't know quite what week that is. Let's pencil that in here. And I think we should go to Grandma's for that week. Or certainly, perhaps, we won't give her the whole week, but perhaps a couple of days we'll go to Grandma's. Um, Easter, all oh, break up for school, look, uh, from school. Um, is that somewhere there to here? We're going to do that. And we're going to meet up with some friends. And what about, um, let's, let's start Billy on, on football on Tuesdays. He's going to do football club on Tuesdays. Um, we've got a half term at the end of May. So, should we go somewhere? Let's go to Cornwall then, shall we? We'll go to Cornwall for the end of May. We'll include the weekend back in time for school. School starts then. Anything else? Oh, we've got the dentist. Uh, the dentist, I've got that in mind on the 14th. The dentist. Okay, we're not looking forward to that, especially in the dark months. What, what, oh, then, um, anything else? Anyone else want to add something on for what should we do next year? Plans, if we pencil in. Should we go somewhere nice and sunny for the summer? We'll go to the beach. Let's have some beach days in. Well, we have our best weather now in May, June, don't we? Summer's normally raining. So let's go to the beach on, let's go to the beach there. I won't write it on oh, Beach, let's go two weeks running. Because in case, the, and then, yep, okay, and then we've got all of, all of August off and part of September back to school then. Oh, look, when's Christmas? Did you ever do that? So, what day of the week is my birthday going to be on next year? Well, Christmas this year is on, on, uh, on a Wednesday, so that's good. Anything else? What we're going to do? Bonfire night, let's have some fireworks on the 5th. Um, anything else? Can we put, yeah, Katie? Go swimming, let's go swimming. Yep, let's do that in the, the darker months, shall we? Let's perhaps do that Friday night. We'll go swimming then. Yeah, Lydia? Camp, of course. How could I forget? Camp, that is... Oh, dear, I'm going to get in trouble now because I don't know the dates. That's the second week, I think. Camp of, of August. Yeah, what else should we put on? Easter. Yeah, we've got Easter. That's up here. Anything else, Harvey? Holiday. Yeah, we've, we've put quite a few holidays. Better not go too many holidays, otherwise people might start raising their eyebrows. Well, we've got, we've got the end of October. That's half term as well. Let's have some, let's keep it a bit more local and do some things there, shall we? Does that all sound like a good plan? No? Yeah, have you? Go on holiday to France. Okay, good idea. Let's do that. Let's go to, towards the end, it's a bit quiet at the end of um, August because they go back to school earlier in France, don't they? Okay, good. Does that sound like a good plan? We'll leave it there. There's probably lots of other things we'd like to put on there, aren't there? Okay, good. Sorted. That's what we're going to do next year. Okay? Now, how certain can we be that any of those things and a hundred of other things are going to actually happen? How certain can we be about that? Don't know? No, we don't, do we? Do you know what? We, don't even, we can't even be certain about what's going to happen this afternoon. 
Isn't that strange? We make all of our plans. So what, what might be some of the things that might stop, stop the plans? Yeah? You could be late for something. Yep, so you, you have to change your plans. Yeah? It could be raining. So look, our beach days. Oh, no, we're going to have to go back here. We can't go to the beach then. It was raining that day. And it was raining two weeks in a row. So we're going to have to go to the beach that day. We're not quite sure whether that's going to happen either. Yeah, little, what else, Mike? You could be ill, yes. So I, some poor lad was poorly on the big first day of camp last year. And that was really sad for him. So his, his, that was really disappointing. So he had to change his plans. Yeah, Katie? Okay, yeah, so if you were going on holiday or you're going anywhere, really, and your car broke down or you had an accident, you'd have to come down. Oh, I'm just going to have to change my plans now. Um, what if the... Yes, who's got one? School. School. Yeah, school. Yeah, you might miss some days at school uh, by being poorly or there might be a change of plan. But there's, there's, there's this thing here. What is... Oh, it's already up here, look. How long has that been up there? Do we know what that is? It's something we'd all rather forget. What is it? It is bacteria. Anyone know what one it is? Well, I, I don't expect you to be really clever, but as in to know what it is. But yeah, what do you think it might be? A couple of years ago. Yeah? COVID, yeah. Apparently that's what the COVID virus looks like under a microscope, because you can't see it with your eyes. And if you put it under a microscope, something that tiny messed up the pl- or changed the plans of millions of people all over the world. It wasn't like a big accident or a big, you know, I don't know, something terrible's happened. It was just a tiny little thing. And it affected everyone's plans. So they didn't really know what was going to happen from one day to the next. And they had to rewrite different things that were going on. So there's loads of things that can, can stop us from doing our plans for the future. Now, it's good to plan. And the Bible says that's a wise thing to do. But there's a good thing for us to do when we're making our plans. This is what James tells us in the Bible. He says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So it's already well looking ahead and that's great, but we've got to remember that we just even don't know what Monday morning is going to bring for us. What is your life? This is what he says it's like. You are like a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Have you ever seen a boiling kettle and the vapour's coming out the top? And it's just there for a second, it rises and it's gone. Disappears. And our lives are like that. Our lives are short. Our lives are fragile. Our lives are uncertain. Now, what else does it say? Instead, this is what you ought to say. Because people had been, oh, people had been boasting um, that they will do this and that, like we were, really. This is our plans, and we're going to do them. Instead, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Okay? So, if it's God's will, what is God's will? Let's keep it still, keep it still. What is God's will? Well, that's quite a big question. But let's imagine, it might help us to think, that perhaps God has got something like this, but far bigger. And he doesn't have a whiteboard marker. He has a permanent marker. Because the things that God writes down don't need changing, because he never makes any mistakes. Nothing like COVID comes along and he says, oh, I'm going to have to rethink this. This is all going terribly wrong. He's written in every detail of the plan of history and we've no idea why loads of things happen, but he does and he writes it all. He allows us to make our plans and many of those things hopefully will happen that we plan in our lives. But all of them come under the big year planner that God has. 
All of the things that we do in our lives are subject to his plans. And they're in permanent ink. And all of us, all the adults here, everyone in the world, we come under God's will for our lives. We say, if the Lord wills, we will live. We don't know how long we're going to live, but God has our life, our birth planned, and in his planner, he has our last day noted and planned and written down. And all the events of our lives in between. And most, many of those things, we don't understand why certain things happen to us, but everything happens according to God's plan. And we'll come on in a minute to a bit more of that, and we will do this or that. So everything that we do, and we should, it's a good attitude to have. It makes us humble, because we can get proud, can't we? We say, I'm going to do this, and we can boast about things that we just really don't know whether they're going to happen or not. So we should be humble and say, well, look, if it's God's will, I'll go to school on Tuesday or Wednesday. If it's God's will, we'll go away for Easter. If it's God's will, we'll go to France, go to camp. Everything is, comes under God's will. So life is uncertain, but one thing is great. There is one great certainty in the world, that God never changes, and that God is always good. Isn't that good? So we don't know what will happen tomorrow and throughout this year, good or bad things, but we know from the Bible and from experience in life as Christians that God is always good and he never changes. I think that's great news and we can put our trust in him. Okay, so we're going to, we're going to sing a song, uh, next song together and let, can we have the chorus up? And it goes like this. I know who holds the future and he'll guide me with his hand. With God, things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. So as I face tomorrow, with its problems large and small, I'll trust the God of miracles. Give to him my all. Good. Okay, do you want to go and sit down? And then we'll stand to sing that.
Let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Lord, we come to you as the eternal God, our refuge, our rock. As we move from one year to another, we are thankful that you are our rock, that you are strong, that you are durable, that you do not change, that you're always the same and that you are our place of refuge and stability, of comfort and strength. We pray that we may lay hold of that as we go from one year to the next. As we come to the end of one year, Lord, we can look back in so many ways with great thankfulness. Much to be thankful for in the last few days. Much to be thankful for in our personal lives and family lives over this last year. Much to be thankful for in the life of our church here. We thank you, Lord, for all that has occurred over this year for all the services and opportunities that we've had. We thank you, Lord, for so many who do so much in the life of our church. We thank you for all that's done for the children and for the way that you've provided leadership, ongoing leadership, with John and Steph continuing the reins of what's now called Thrive and for all the energy and time put into that work by those involved. We thank you for that. We thank you that you have provided us with leaders in different areas of the life of our church. We thank you for the appointment of two new deacons over this year and the way in which that's been such a a reflection of unity in the, the way the church felt and we praise you for that and ask your blessing on them, the deacons in their work. We praise you that we've had a a whole uh, year of uh, a full-time assistant pastor as Mark has been able to take up those responsibilities and experience your help in what he's done. We thank you, Lord, for the facilities that we have here, which are so useful for the size of this site, the car park, the fields, and for all the different things that we're able to do. We praise you for the way in which some of the facilities have been improved and upgraded during this year to make things work well here. We have many blessings. We have had baptisms this year and we praise you for your work in the lives of those who have been baptised and we thank you for the many opportunities we've had to spread the gospel. As we come to the close of a year as well as Thanksgiving, we have to confess In the Bible it speaks of us being unprofitable servants and we know that all that we do, we do imperfectly. Forgive us all that we've done wrong for the times when we haven't done things with the faith we should have done or the contentment we should have done or the thankfulness we should have done or the love that we should have done or with the patience that we should have done Lord, you see everything. You see our inadequacies, our frailties, our failures. 
And we thank you that there is forgiveness with you. As we go into this new year, we pray for your help. We pray for a spirit of humility and trust. We do not know what lies ahead as we've just been singing. And we pray for humility to realise that. Uh, But we also pray for that sense of trust in you and your goodness as we go forward into an uncertain year. Give us wisdom too, Lord, to make good decisions, right choices, that we might uh, live in a, a way which is good before you and helpful and a blessing to others. Lord, help us as we go forward in prayer, in worship, in service. May our lives be shaped by the Lord Jesus and what he has done for us in his death on the cross and in his resurrection. Lord, we do pray for those who um, are feeling the pain of difficulty in life, maybe especially at this time of year. We pray for those who experience the difficulty, confusion and sadness of uh, mental lowness, depression or... um, serious mental illness. We pray for those we know of in that situation to receive the help that they need, to become more level in their minds, to experience your peace as they go forward. We pray for those who feel the sadness of loss in different ways in their lives and we pray that you will give them strength as they go forward into a new year. We thank you, Lord, for your word which keeps us going, which comforts, which encourages, which teaches us. We thank you for the prominent role that has had in the life of this church over many years. We thank you that we can come to consider your word again this morning. And as Mark speaks from this psalm, we pray you'd help him. You soften our own hearts and make them open to your truth. So bless us and be with us, forgive us and help us. We pray all in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're going to sing our next song before Mark comes up and it is the song, a hymn, which is based largely on Psalm 90. It's the well-known hymn, Our God, Our Help in Ages Past, Our Hope for Years to Come.
Well, good morning once again to all of you and uh, good morning to those online as well, especially if you missed the introduction at the, at the beginning of the service. Welcome. Well, many of us here uh, know James and Rachel, uh, missionaries out in Cyprus, and they send through prayer letters every now and again. And one of their prayer letters came through uh, last night. And uh, this is how the, the prayer letter started. Another year has just about vanished into the history books. It's interesting, John Hitch used that phrase as well, the year's vanished. In just a few uh, hours, the year will have gone, completely vanished. 2023 will be no more. And I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe some of you have had a great year, lots of good things going on, and you feel a sense of sadness as, as you get to the end of it. Or maybe actually for some of you, and I know this is true, maybe for some of you it's just been a really tough year, and to be honest, you're just looking forward to getting into a new year and seeing the back of it. But however we're feeling, however it's been, it's going into the history books, isn't it? Along with 1997 and 1056 and 330 BC, it's being added to the history books, never to be seen again. In some ways, it feels like it was quite a long time ago that I was standing here in this very building on New Year's Day this year. And yet, in other ways, and I suspect quite a few will agree with me in this, in other ways, it feels like just last month that we were welcoming in 2023. I can remember vividly thinking, oh, it's 2023 now, and suddenly it's a year later. And just before, as we look forward to 2023, now we look forward to... 2024. I wonder if you've got any goals, any aims for 2024. It's good to have some. Maybe you haven't got any goals, no resolutions, you haven't really thought about it, maybe you're just sort of drifting into 2024. It's going to sort of find yourself there without having thought about it. Well, we're going to look at a psalm this morning. It's a psalm, uh, the only psalm actually that we know was written by Moses. It's the oldest psalm, and as you can see from the description along the top, it's actually a prayer. It's described as a prayer of Moses. And just quickly as well, uh, you don't have to shout it out, but just look at at the description of it. How does it describe Moses? How does it describe Moses? So it describes him as a man of God. A man of God. It says, a prayer of Moses, a man of God. Moses knew God in a special way. If you've been here on on Sunday mornings regularly, you'll know we've been looking at Exodus. We've been looking at the life of Moses. And we've already seen Moses at the burning bush and how he encountered God there. And in time, we'll see how Moses encounters God at different times. And Moses is someone who experienced the power and the glory of God. My prayer for us this morning is that this man's prayer, this man who was a man of God, who knew God, this prayer will really challenge us as we head out of 2023 and we head into 2024. If you have aims and goals that you've already set up, it will challenge them. And if you're drifting into 2024 without any real thought about what what your life's going to be like or what it's all about, then this will definitely challenge you. Well, how does Moses start his prayer? 
How does Moses start this psalm? Well, he starts it with a sense of awe. This is what he says in verses 1 and 2. You are from everlasting to everlasting. When I was in a primary school recently, I was getting uh, grilled by some kids asking me questions about Christianity. And one of them was, how was God made? Or who made God? And of course, God wasn't made. God made the world, but God wasn't made. It's part of what makes God, God. Verse 2 says, before the mountains were brought forth. Or it's this idea really of, before the mountains were born... Or before you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I don't know what your favourite mountains are, if if you've got them. Personally, I love the Lake District. Um, Snowdonia is also pretty up there. Maybe some of you have been to the Alps and you love that, or or mountain ranges around the world. You know, when you see those those mountains, they're huge, aren't they? And, and, And God was there when they were born. When those mountains were formed, God was already there. You know, he didn't sort of pop into existence at any point. You can go back in history as far as you like, and there won't be a time when, when God appears. He was always there. You can go forward into history as far as you can imagine, and there won't be a time that God reaches his expiry date. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is eternal. You know, we're so used to things getting old, aren't we? That's, that's the world we live in. We live in a world of decay. We live in a world where, sadly, Christmas presents are probably, some of them are already broken. And others, however much we cherish them, that they won't last forever, as sad as it is. But but that's the world we live in, isn't it? Things change. We get old. But God never changes. He's eternal. And that's good news for us. Because God is good. In fact... As John mentioned in his prayer and emphasised, for people like Moses and actually other men and women of faith before him and after him, God is their home. Do you notice that? Verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. He was their place of safety and refuge. But many of those generations have died. Abraham's gone, Isaac's gone, Jacob's gone. They've all died, but God is still there. He is still their refuge. And you know what that means? He is still around today. He can still be our refuge, our home today. It's a wonderful thing that what Moses says here is still true for us. As we head into 2024, as John prayed, we can still know that God is our home Because God is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. And when Moses is blessing the the tribes in Deuteronomy 33, I know know some of you love this. This is what he says. The eternal God is your dwelling place. And underneath are the everlasting arms. Isn't that a beautiful verse to hold on to as we head into a new year? The eternal God is your dwelling place. And underneath are the everlasting arms. So Moses praises God that he is from everlasting to everlasting. But seeing God as eternal, seeing God like this, makes him realise that our lives are just so short. Our lives are just so short. You know, if you live to 100, you get a letter or a card from the king or the queen, king and the queen, with a picture of them on it. 
It's seen as an achievement, isn't it? You get to that age, wow, you deserve a, king, uh, a card from the king. Most people don't get beyond their 70s or 80s. That's kind of the average. And when we're young, that sounds like an eternity, doesn't it? So young people, people on the back row in the gallery, children around here, it sounds like a long time, doesn't it? 70 or 80? Wow, that's forever. Am I right? You you see your life sort of spread out in front of you and you just think, it goes on forever and ever and ever. But look at how God sees our lives. Think back to yesterday. What did you do yesterday? I hope it was a good day. Think back to yesterday. What did you do? Probably doesn't seem that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. This is what God says. For a thousand years, sorry, Moses says this about God. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. So, think of yesterday, not that long ago. For God, that's a bit like what a thousand years is like. We think a hundred years is old, don't we? We're like, wow, I reached a hundred. But God looks back at a thousand years as if it's just a day. You know, a thousand years ago, the, the Normans hadn't even um, won in the Battle of Hastings. Hadn't even got to 1066 yet. I was looking at some of the things that have happened in the last thousand years, and I haven't got time to put them all in, but it goes back a long way, a thousand years. There's a lot that's happened. The world has changed beyond recognition since then. And yet, to God, it's as if it was just yesterday. Or actually says in the psalm, or as if it's like a watch in the night. They have four-hour watches in the night. And a thousand years is as if it's just a, a short watch in the night. And then look how it describes, in verse 5, the years of our lives. Moses says about God, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream. You know when you wake up from a dream... And it's gone. You know, it's kind of happened. It's kind of what it's like with our lives. They're they're, they're just gone so quick. Verse 5 and 6. Our lives are like grass. Grass that sort of grows up in the morning, but after a hot day in the evening, it's withered and it's died. But obviously, that's what our lives are like. It can feel so long. You think we've got forever in front of us. And yet, it's just like grass. God is from everlasting to everlasting, but our lives are so short, they're over so quick, they so quickly become history. I was reading an article uh, this week about someone who, um, they were on a, a guided tour in London, and they came to this big sort of marble tomb, and it was a, a man called Thomas Sayers. Have any of you heard of Thomas Sayers? Good. Hopefully that proves my point a little bit. So they're, they're, they're writing a, an article And this is what they write. Our guide asked the group if anyone has heard of this man, Thomas Sayers. We shake our heads blankly. At the time of his death, the situation was very different. It was the winter of 1865 and Sayers, who began his career as an illiterate bricklayer, had risen to become the most celebrated sportsman of the Victorian age. This was England's first 
bare-knuckle fighting champion. His final match, which he fought largely one-handed in a Hampshire field, was watched by thousands. Special trains were chartered to transport the spectators, who included fellow Victorian superstars like the novelist Charles Dickens and William Thackeray. Even the Prime Minister of the day, Lord Palmerston, attended. Parliament shortened its hours especially, and Queen Victoria asked to be informed of the result. When he died a few years later, the funeral possession stretched for two miles and included some 100,000 people. The cemetery descended into chaos as people climbed trees and trampled tombstones, hoping for a better view. 152 years on, his reputation has turned to dust. He's still well known to history buffs and boxing obsessives, but to the rest of us, he needs an introduction. He's just forgotten. None of us know him. There's a tombstone and a few people remember him, but that's it. Time's moved on. His life is, is gone. You know, 150 years ago or so, it was, a, it was a church here, but it was a very different congregation. None of us were there. But there was people like you and me, people listening to sermons, or maybe not listening to sermons. But where are they now? Many of them are in the graveyard there, or the graveyard elsewhere. In 150 years' time from now, God willing, there'll be a whole new congregation still here, still listening to God's word being preached. But none of us will be there. Not even those of you in primary school. You won't be there in 150 years' time. Well, maybe it's not the cheeriest thing to think about. So I think it's a Sunday morning. Can't we have something a bit lighter? But as Moses thinks about God and God's eternal nature and the fact that he is from everlasting to everlasting, he cannot but think of just how short our lives are. But Moses also understands that this is not how life should be. That death is not part of God's good creation. You know, when God looked at the world and said, it is good, death wasn't part of it, otherwise he wouldn't have said it was good. In verses 3 and in verses 7 to 11, Moses shows us in his prayer what is going on. And we see this, our sin has brought death into the world. Our sin has brought death into the world. This is what Moses says about God in verse 3. You return man to dust. You return man to dust. See, Moses understands that God's judgment for sin is that death has been brought into the, the world. You remember what God says to Adam shortly after Adam's rebelled against him. He says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, the word dust is actually a slightly different word here, but nevertheless, Moses is clearly pointing back to this bit of Genesis. And he's saying, this is where death comes from. And Paul updates us in Romans uh, 5.12. He keeps us up to date with, with our situation now. This is what he says. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, 
and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. You know, sin has had devastating consequences on this world. And the, the consequences of, of sin were really on Moses' mind, because when he, when he wrote this psalm, the, the Israelites were wandering around in the desert. You may remember that they'd got to the, the promised land, they were on the edge of it, they were about to go in, but they didn't get in because of their disobedience, because they didn't trust God, because of their unbelief. And what does God do is he sends them to wander around in the desert for 40 years so that none of that generation will ever get into the promised land. It's a severe judgment. But, but they're, they're wandering around in the desert. And, and what's happening around Moses is they're doing that. People are dying. People are getting old and they're dying in the desert. Uh, I, I don't know how many funerals Moses had to take, but over those years it must have been pretty constant. You think of the amount of people, thousands and thousands and thousands of people that died in the desert before they could go back to the promised land and go in. That, that is the, the context of this psalm. And so remember that as, as you listen to verses 7 to 11. Maybe read along with me uh, in your um, heads if you've got it open. Verse 7, For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. Even when they live to, to 80, life's been difficult. Life's been tough. It hasn't been enjoyable. There hasn't been joy. Those years are soon gone, and we fly away. Verse 11, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? You see, Moses knows that God is rightly angry with sin. God is good. He's rightly angry with sin. And he reminds us that sin, whether it's public or private, it robs us of the joy in life and it leads to death. And so Moses knows these things. He knows that God is from everlasting to everlasting. And he also knows that our lives are so finite because of sin. So what does he do? What does he do with that knowledge? Does he become depressed? Does he put on some light-hearted TV to, to keep his mind off it? No, he has two requests in his prayer. Two requests of God that he, that he prays. At least, that's how I'm going to sum it up. Two requests that will be good for us to take into 2024. Firstly, this is what he asks. Satisfy us and make us glad. Verses 13 to 15. Satisfy us and make us glad. You know, Moses is really feeling the pinch of sin and its consequences as they wander around the desert. And what does he do? He pleads with God to have pity on them. He pleads with God to come and have mercy and to show his compassion. Actually, in verse 13, you see that he calls... God, his covenant name, his, his sort of personal name. 
He doesn't do that elsewhere in the psalm. But he says, show us your love. Show us your faithfulness. And he cries out for satisfaction and to be glad. Things that they have been desperately missing as they've been wandering around the desert. He knows that God and God's presence is the only thing that can truly satisfy him. The only thing that can truly bring him gladness and make him happy. He knows the truth of Psalm 1611. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand the pleasures forevermore. But Moses has confessed in this very psalm that that our sins are always before God. Do you remember what he says? Our our iniquity is always before you. So what what is God's solution? Well, to send a baby into the world. Might ring some bells from recent days. To send a baby into the, the world to, to see that iniquity and, and to take it on. To crush the curse of sin. To then die under that curse to defeat it. To give a life. And as Jesus comes, what does he say? He says, I've come to give a life and give it to the full. You know, Jesus' life and his love satisfy us and give us more happiness and gladness than anything else you could name me right now. And you know, even in your struggles, in your brokenness, even in grief, you know, Jesus can satisfy you and make you glad in a way that nothing else can. And if we accept the life that he offers What is the future that we have to look forward to? This is what Revelation says, 21 verse 3. Think about how it relates back to verse 1 of this psalm as well. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. You know, God is going to answer Moses' prayer in an even more spectacular way than Moses could ever have imagined. And maybe you've never known even a little glimpse of God satisfying you. Maybe you've never known anything of the the gladness that God can give. Well, well, if that's true of you, then I'd encourage you to pray that prayer. Ask God to satisfy you and make you glad. Maybe it's something to do this afternoon or this evening. Pray, God, please satisfy me and make me glad. It's a good prayer to to pray. But also this, this is another request, and this is one that's particularly caught me. Many people think of this phrase when they, they think of this psalm. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. I said earlier, didn't I, when we're young we feel like life will just be this eternity of, of living. It will sort of never come to an end. But Moses asked God, teach us to number our days. Now it doesn't mean that we literally go through them and, and count them. It, it doesn't also mean that God's going to give us a certain number for our days that we can sort of be like, this is how long I've got. God doesn't do that. We don't know how long we've got. We don't even know if we'll be here next week. But we do know that even if we live a long life, it won't be much beyond a hundred. To number our days means to realise that our days are short. 
that life is short, that it doesn't last long. And therefore we need to use our time on earth wisely because it goes so quickly. And if you don't believe me, ask people that are older. And I'm pretty sure they'll tell you life is short. To number our days means to make life count. To to realise it's short and go, I'm going to use those days for good. But, But notice that what does Moses ask God to do? To teach us to do that. Because we're not very good at it. And throughout history you see people consistently forgetting about eternity. We need God to teach us. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to remember that life is short, that eternity is coming, and we need to make the most of this life. And the way we do that is by living for eternity. This is what it says. If we number our days, verse 12, then we will get a heart of wisdom. A heart of wisdom. A heart of wisdom that understands that, that it's about eternity. That a heart of wisdom that helps us to be wise in our decisions in life. That helps us have good priorities as, as we go from day to day. To realise that our, our life could end at any point. I haven't heard it for ages, but do you remember the phrase YOLO? You only live once. The, the idea behind it was this idea of, look, you only live once, so, so go out and do stuff. Make the most of every day. Maybe do something a little bit dangerous. You only live once. Risk a little. Well, Moses too wants us to make the most of every day, but not because we only live once. But, but actually because God is the God of eternity, and eternity is looming for every single one of us. And it is looming sooner than we think. And there's a link, I think, between verse 12 and verse 17. It's what Moses says at the end of this psalm. Establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. There's repetition here because it's important. Moses wants what he does to be meaningful, to be purposeful, to have significance beyond just the years that he's on earth, beyond this short life. Let me ask you, what is your life all about? If you had to to sum up what your life was was all about, imagine I said, right, everyone give me a sentence and you can hand it in at the end. What would you write? Or maybe, here's an interesting question, if I said, I want everyone who knows you to write a sentence about what your life is like, what, what would they write? Is your life just about making money? Just about chasing pleasure. Just about being happy. Seeking that relationship. We're we're so consumed by the temporary, aren't we? By what we can see, by what we can touch, what we can feel. Everything in this world seems so much about now. You know, when we we realise about eternity, when we get that right perspective, when we see God as he is, helps us to realise that so many of the things we worry about, so many of the things we think about, actually are not so big, and not nearly so important as they should be. You know, I was thinking about this, even food. <laughs> Food's pretty important, right? It keeps us going. We, we need to think about that, it's true, but, but what does Jesus say? He says, seek me first, seek my kingdom first, and I'll give you those things. Are we seeking to obey God in our lives now? Is that important 
to us in, in this life? Are we doing what he wants for his glory? What might be his plans? Or are we too busy thinking about our plans with all the beach days and the holidays that sounds fantastic? Is that all we're thinking about? Or are we thinking, what does God want me to do? How can I serve God? How can I do something that is of eternal significance? Are you telling people about Jesus? With eternity coming? With life being so short? With God being eternal? Are we telling people about what's beyond? What's at the end of it? When life goes so quick? Are we loving people? Are we putting other people first? I want to finish with this um, This was in the the BBC News this week. The tragically sad story of of Chris Marriott. who got hit by a car and and died. It was on the BBC News. I expect many of you saw it or on other news websites. This is what it said. Uh, In a statement, Mr Marriott's family said, Chris was a wonderful husband, dad, brother, uncle and friend to many. He devoted much of his life to helping others. The circumstances of his death, although tragic and unfathomable to us as his family, show the sort of man he was, to go and help rather than to turn away. Mr Marriott was a member of Sheffield City Church, which said, Chris died doing what so many will remember him for, helping others. His death was tragic, and the thoughts and prayers of church members were with his family, a spokesperson said. This is an unbelievably awful situation and we are heartbroken for the family, they added. They said he was a man of faith who wanted others to experience the joy he had found trusting Jesus. That's on the BBC News. You know, it may be incredibly sad reading that story. But it also made me think, what a testimony to to the whole of the UK and maybe further afield. You know, his life was short. Shorter than he would have wanted, probably. Certainly shorter than his family and friends wanted. But he so clearly lived for eternity. So we know he was ready. What about you? As we head into 2024, what are you living for? I'm just going to give a few moments just to think about that and then we're going to sing a, a song that reflects some of these things. Well, let's stand and sing together.
take a seat. Well, I started by uh, reading uh, the start of James and Rachel's prayer letter that came through last night. I want to finish by reading how it ends. They said, let us encourage you to pray for us and yourselves in the light of C.T. Studd's poem. C.T. Studd was uh, born in 1860. He was born into a family of great wealth and privilege. Um, He was an outstanding cricketer, had a, a bright future ahead of him. But he chose to give it all up. For, for the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. He spent his life dedicated in service um, to the Lord in China, India and Africa. And there are still things that are keeping going now because of what he did. And he wrote this poem. Some of you will know it, at least the, the, the title. And it's called this, Only One Life Twill Soon Be Passed. Now the language is slightly old, but I want to read it to you to finish. And uh, it's not every single verse, but it's most of them. And even if you don't get every bit of it, I hope it gives you a sense of uh, what he's trying to say. Two little lines I heard one day, travelling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice. Bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, When Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. Enjoy your sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, twas worth it all. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. Amen.